I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, hello. You're listening to The Stoop. My name is Jason Stewart. This is my food podcast. Podcast. Andre Conaparo, say hello. Hi. We have no brother. Chris Stewart, say hello. Chris Stewart is crickets. working. Crickets. Gosh darn crickets. Working very hard. Doing a double today. Rest in peace, Stewie. Doing a double double today. Um, we don't have any guests either. And also, both of us are kind of sick. This podcast brought to you by Benadryl. Yeah, man. I'm riding high off of Benadryl. I, I took it yesterday, and I went to a Air Jordan release party. <laughs> what are you Bad talking about? idea. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Please explain. Uh, listeners, sometimes I don't get to hear the stories that come out live on this podcast. Normally, this is something they would hear midweek, but he saves the good stuff day of. Yeah, man. Get an, get an invite, go to Santa Monica to check out, to be one of the first people to get the new Air Jordan, 30th ed- edition. Uber to Santa Monica? No, I went with a couple friends who also got the invite. So is this an event where you get Jordans if you show up, or it's like, this hey, is, this is what they look like on a runway, now here's some like, think, shitty pass tray food? I think both. There was Ooh. shitty tray pass food. Um, there was a couple good things, though. There's a little chicken flauta. Oh, that's good. Nice. Uh, they had a bad burger, bad burger ball on a brioche bun. Mm-hmm. It was a little stringy. So when you asked them for size 16s, they all just started laughing out loud, and then you were kicked out by security? No, no. They, <laughs> they emailed me the invite and said, hey, RSVP if you want to come and send me your shoe size. And I say, okay, I do that. But then I went there. And there were you, you. Everyone was checking out the new Jordans. You could buy them if you wanted to, and a lot of people did because you could be the first people right, right, yeah. before they're open to the public. Forward so it was honor just to be there. Yeah. I am never going to do that because current Jordan shoes are just you know ridiculous, futuristic. What do they cost? Are they foot pod? I mean, they're probably like two hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, right. that's a lot of. It's weird because like back in the day, Jordans they were two hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But now the technology that goes into them is like a Boeing space program or something yeah. like that. They look so futuristic. All the materials are like state of the art. All the engineering, everything. It's it's crazy looking. But I'm not the kind of guy who wears those wears those things. So they might mail me some weird Jordans. Who knows? Yeah, but like also in general, sneaker prices have gotten so low. Like when you were a kid, you couldn't buy dope sneakers for like sixty bucks. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's true. Maybe sneakerheads would argue that sixty dollars sneakers from Champs are whack. But I look at them, I'm like, all right, these aren't that bad. That's fine. Yeah, but I mean, you when, when but when you were a kid, Jordans cost like when I was a kid, Jordans cost two hundred bucks. Yeah, they're you, crazy expensive. And if you wanted, like, if I wanted the shittier, not as expensive Jordans, like my mom would still have to spend like a hundred nineteen bucks totally. or something like that. Totally. And since I'm six nine and growing three feet an hour. I would get to wear those shoes for a couple of months at the most before they grew out of them. Enter the Stew Podcast at champs.com for 10% <laughs> off two pairs of socks. So we've we've talked enough about shoes. Buy one, get one free. Well, what we didn't hear is if you got shoes. 
I did not get shoes yet, but on the way out, the the person at Nike was like, "Yo, we, we're, I know we said, give me your shoe size, but uh, we'll we'll follow up with you on an email." And please believe, I wrote them an email this morning saying, <laughs> "Yo, Nike, thank you so much for the invite. I had a blast at the event, sharing it with my friends and family on social media. Just look forward to staying in touch with my shoe size." <laughs> um, also, I don't know if you got the last email that had my shoe size included. But go ahead and check that out. Is your what your shoe size? Fifteen and a half? Sixteen? Uh, it's sixteen or seventeen. It depends on the brand. You're like you have the size shoe that's like the funny shoe in shoe stores when you're a kid. You remember that? Like when you're like old shoe stores used to have like I know yeah Shaquille O'Neal's shoe. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That's like your shoe. That's tight. It's not. You know, Shaq is like a twenty-three or something like that. What's weird is when I see you wear shoes, they don't look that big. But if I put my shoe next to yours, it's like, holy shit. Like, honey, I shrunk my shoe. Hey, man, when you're 6'9 and you don't want to look like a, just a mongoloid of a person, you have to work pretty hard to try and just look normal. Do t- do, can you get Tims? Can you get yellow Tims in 16, 17? They do, make, they do make Tims in my size, and I've seen them in my size. And the problem with a Timberland boot is they're the same height as they are long. <laughs> so it just looks like a three-foot L angle. <laughs> like, they would go up to your knee. They're like knee-high boots yeah. for a regular person. And they weigh like 30 pounds each. And they need seven cows to complete one shoe yeah. total. Um, yeah, they're just... You, you pick it up and you're like... how you, you feel like you're just walking with cement shoes on because they're just so heavy. <laughs> what made the chicken flautas delicious? Just overall well cooked. I think they're just seasoned well. Had a nice green tomatillo dipping sauce. Was there a alcohol sponsor at this event? There was an alcohol. It was like a, it's kind of like a busted cognac company, <laughs> and and Heineken Light. So they were they were Bustiac. They were they were catering to the urban urban demographic. I feel like. Couldn't figure out the branding of Wack Yak. <laughs> Wack Yak. Does, does not seem like a good... We got Martinelli's Apple, Apple Cognac. Wack Yak. Yeah, it was... I didn't have any... I had a Heineken Light. It was cool. All right. But I had a lot of Benadryl, and I was talking to people just not... I couldn't remember a single conversation. I, I just... Sometimes it makes you so loopy. Just tired. Mm. Just so tired. I don't know what's going on. I've got a new, like this eye allergy that I'm dealing with i've never it's like a new thing it's like the y2k allergy that i've never experienced talking about food talking about food talking about food um well we have a few things to get into allergy food is definitely peanuts yeah if you got allergies very dangerous my favorite allergy foods yo shellfish very high up there boom 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 um so i've been i've been uh, a lot of steam showers get it popping i'm drinking a little mezcal right now because we're recipe testing for that's right pop up restaurant. Turn the, up, turn up the volume. The stew is doing a pop up restaurant pew, pew. coming to a city near you. If you live in, in LA, Los, in Los Angeles, preferably downtown. Pew, pew, pew. Downtown LA. Um, it's on November. Oh, see, Benadryl. February twenty. Benadryl, baby. February twenty sixth. That's the Benny talking, baby. Don't worry about that. This year, February twenty sixth. <laughs> That's in 2016. That's this year. So a few weeks away, there's a website called Feastly, which is like feast.ly on the internet. And it's like a service that they use to pair people who host private dinners, pop-up restaurants, you know, like catering events and stuff like that. 
Like if you and your girlfriends want a guy to come over and teach you how to make sushi or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then they connect the consumer with the, the people doing it and they, I, they probably take a little cut. And But it's a good connection thing. And then they handle all the reservations and stuff. But they're hosting a bunch of pop-up dinners in L.A. They, uh, my friend Celeste is working with them and asked me to come come aboard. Shout out, Celeste. Thank you. Very Shout excited to be doing God, this. Celeste. Um, also, we ha- it's in a very cool... Not only is the idea and the website great, but um, the space itself is cake-themed in a way that you can't possibly imagine. It looks so cool. We saw just the first couple days of installing it, but... It's a it's a wild interior. Yes, it's called uh, it's called the Think Tank Gallery. You can go to thinktankgallery.org, and the event is called Break Bread. It's from uh, February thirteenth to March thirteenth, and it's just a bunch of bunch of chefs of all different kinds selling selling their foods, doing pop up dinners, and the, the stew is one of them. So Andre and I are going to be making some food. We have some friends helping out. My brother Chris is going to be doing some front of house stuff. We're going to have cocktails provided by Varnish. That's which, amazing to which me. Which is amazing. That is, I mean, the amount of things they probably turned down mm-hmm. alone, and the fact that they were kind of on board. Um, yeah, Varnish. If you don't exciting. know, downtown LA, it's like kind of a little speakeasy cocktail mixology kind of spot, but it's like it's the it's like the spot in LA. Like everyone knows that you know, it's kind of hard to get a table in there. It's not a bar. Don't scene. go with a big party. Yeah, just go with. I've been know, turned you. away with too many people. Yeah, go with a couple people, and they'll sit down and you know spend ten minutes making you a crazy cocktail that you've never seen it's before. It's also the crazy thing to me about varnish is there's a lot of things you know that kind of rub me the wrong way a lot of time with food trends and uh, you know obviously cocktails and, mm-hmm. and mixology is not necessarily a trend, but. It can feel that way in a lot of places mm-hmm. with the mustaches and suspenders mm-hmm. and the so, but and the way they shake those drinks, yeah, like a jabroni, the stirs. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at varnish, it, it's really sincere. The cocktails are fantastic, and they will sit down and tell you a story. Mm-hmm. They will tell you why, what's going on, the history of the drink. Uh, they will talk to you. They will not talk down to you, but they will talk to you as much as you want. It's a very personal experience as far as what spirits they're using, why they're using them, things you can do at home. I mean, they're the not only are they great drinks, but they're great people that work there, and it's it's mm-hmm. really a fun bar to sit down at. Valentine's Day, you'll hear this one day before Valentine's Day. Yeah. Maybe you can sneak your way into Varnish. Good luck after a dinner downtown. But but good luck. We're lucky enough to have them, and we're going to try and work with them to have some cocktail pairings with the dinner. It's going to be like a five-course dinner. It's going to have some apps, some fun little f- funky dishes, a nice little dessert at the end. It's going to be two seatings, one at 6.30, one at 9.30. And we uh, we hope all you guys come out. Would love it. And show some support. But we have we have some mezcal because I'm, I'm testing chicken liver pate recipe with mezcal. Uh, it's, which is something that I, 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 when I was trying to teach myself how to make chicken liver pate, it was a, a lot of recipes call for brandy and cognac. Madeira, cognac, Madeira. Yep. you know, lots of these kind of very aromatic, f- fruitful, smelly, special, you know, kind of like special flavors that help to cut the liver flavor, which yep. is kind of the whole point of why the alcohol is in there because... To a lot of people, that just eating a bunch of liver can be a little 
intense. But uh, I just had some mezcal. I didn't. I don't really keep brandy and and cognac and stuff around the house. So I just unless it's whack yak. Unless it's whack yak brand. Shout out to Nike. Um, and it worked really well. The smokiness, that crazy smoky bite of mezcal, really cuts the pate nicely. And I was it was one of those special accidents, which usually is kind of like how it all goes. If you talk to all these crazy chefs, that's that's how you really stumble upon your own special creations. You just make this make the same dish ten times, do it differently every time, experiment with it, leave something on the burner too long, leave something off. Your you know. your uh, supplier doesn't bring the right produce, mm-hmm. and you're just sitting with a box of mm-hmm. sunchokes. You know what the hell's going on? Make it work. But so so we're doing that, and uh, right now I'm, I'm I took a little uh, took a little tip from Zach. From Alimento last week, got the chicken livers, curing them in the pink curing salt. Yep. Which uh, it's if you haven't seen this stuff, it's just like pink salt that kind of smells like chlorine almost. Yeah. It's just like a weird, or it's called sodium nitrite as well. Mm-hmm. But that's just how they cure meats with this special kind of curing salt, and it gives them that little special pinkish reddish color that bacon will get. And other cured things, hams yeah, and spam and pastrami, yeah, all that stuff. So, curing in that, and then I'm going to cook it sous vide. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a little bit of a process, but um, we're still waiting on my uh, chef steps jewel. If chef steps listening, <laughs> what are they supposed to deliver that? I think they're supposed to come out this month. Pre-ordered in October. Still waiting. Chef supposed steps. to deliver in February. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, it's it's not too far into February. You'll be all right. Open, 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 open. <laughs> yeah, we might be using that jewel for the pop-up. That would be tight. And we'll hashtag it and we'll get free stuff from them. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm going to hashtag everything we do on your phone because I don't know how to do that. Um, Just the- Yeti coolers. Anything we're doing, no matter what it is, it's going to say hashtag Yeti coolers. That's something that we also might need at this pop-up. Who yeah, knows? if only we could get a Yeti cooler <laughs> from YetiCoolers.com <laughs> for this amazing pop-up. Um, but it's, it's really exciting. Um, I think it's going to reflect the personality of dishes we like to make in a fun way. Um, yeah, I'm excited for people to try it. And we're we're trying to have it um, affordable. Yep. Kind of no frills. Like ever, you're paying for the food and nothing else. There's going to be no like the plating is going to look nice, but it's going to be you know pretty chill and and. Not like an overly done, ridiculous, dumb thing that costs a hundred dollars. We're gonna have it be as affordable as we can. As they say, we're gonna put it all on the screen. We're gonna put it all on the screen. That's right. It's all going on the plate. It's all going on the plate. We're, um, you know, just as long as we break even, we'll be happy. Yep. And hopefully, we can do it again because it's it's a seating, two seatings of forty. So I feel like we'll probably be able to get it packed out. So. Uh, Pay attention to my social media, my Twitter and Instagram, them jeans. We may have some previous guests on this show being pulled in for favors. Yeah, maybe we'll call in some special favors. Who knows? We already have a couple lined up, but yeah, man, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tight. So yeah, just keep, stay stay on my social media and what just, is that social media again? At them jeans on Twitter and Instagram, and we will um, I'll, I'll I'll be announcing it this week where you can go buy tickets and. And reservations and all that stuff. And then, you know, you can come hang out. Afterwards, we can have a beverage. Yes, for sure. You know, check out 
other people who listen to this podcast break a little bread. That's right. We hope to see you. Oh, that's interesting. This is like a little singles mixer event almost. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, if you have no friends and you want to come by yourself, you can definitely do that. My brother will make sure to sit all the parties of one next to each other. <laughs> that's right. He, he already he already he's worked very out. good at that. Yeah. Um, also, if you want to ask us questions after the after the seating, anything that complicated we may not answer, that would be great too. Mm-mm. You have an answer for everything after it's done. Yeah. Do not. We're we are done. I will probably be exhausted, and I don't want to talk to any of you guys. Just kidding. Got it. Just kidding. Come talk to us. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, we have some Twitter questions that got f- flown into me. Outstanding. First uh, first question, my man, at B Rizzle, B underscore Rizzle, them jeans, where can I cop some big eye tuna? And he asked this question, and I, and I wondered, is big eye tuna hard to find? Um, I've never saw it myself. If off. I Off guess it cuff, is hard to find. Starting, I would go to um, McCall's in Los Feliz or mm-hmm. Fish King in Glendale. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily have seen them in the cold case, but they also both do special orders and both. Well, Fish King has probably the best seafood selection outside of the fish market downtown in L.A. Or Santa Monica Seafood. Santa Monica Seafood. I always, Santa Monica. I always forget Santa Monica Seafood because I'm never on the west side. Santa Monica Seafood, fantastic. Um, but I would ask them if they don't carry it normally um, – how to get it, when to get it. Also, there's some great seafood purveyors at the um, Hollywood Farmer's Market on Sunday mm-hmm. and the Santa Monica Farmer's Market on Saturdays and Wednesdays. Yeah, I guess. And Big there's probably a ton I hard don't to know find. as well, but um, that's where I would start for sure. Yeah, even with some Googling, I got pretty much nothing. And especially with seafood in particular, you know, the exciting thing is when you talk to your butcher or whoever you're getting your seafood from, to ask them in advance so they can tell you when it might be ready or they might have an idea of when it will come in so you get it that day, maybe not the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, That's something that you really want to stay on top of. And, and any good butcher or seafood monger will be happy to, I'm sure, accommodate you. Yes, become friends with them. The Big Eye, the big eye Tuna, it's a prized recreational game fish. I don't mm-hmm. know. Is that, so, just, is that just ahi? Or what's the difference? I, I, I would hate to speculate and be completely wrong. I think it's, it's used a lot in Hawaii. I think they, they got yeah. a lot of that over there. Hmm. Who knew? Um, so B-Rizzle, I would check those places. Um, also, Fish always, King in yeah. Glendale, Fish if you're on Glendale. the east side. West side, Santa Monica Seafood. Give them a call. Drop them a line. If they can't help you out, then they can probably tell you where to go. Also, as a side note, again, it's always nice to talk to your local butcher. Never be afraid. Like, if you want something, an offcut, you want them to save you bones. You you, know, you want a bunch of you want twenty pounds of livers. Yeah, you want to just <laughs> Which buy. We'll be asking for it very soon. Yeah, but all this there's a lot of stuff. But, if you want to just get like chicken backs to make stock, which are you can't really buy anywhere. You want to just get skin. Well, there's always the night where you're like, oh, you randomly want to buy a steak. So you go sure. and you go buy ribeye or flat iron or skirt. Mm-hmm. Those are the two I recommend. Um, so there's the things off the cuff. But when you're planning a dinner or a meal um, or you know in the future, you're like, next week I want to try this recipe with, for example, you know, anything, any off cut or the big eye tuna that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Ask them to get it for you in advance. 
they're more than happy to. They're ordering anyways, you know, and they usually appreciate a little, you know, break up the 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 monotony of what they're doing. Never be afraid to ask to have things special ordered for you, even small quantities. Mm. You get to be buddies with your local butcher. They get to know you. You also know you're getting what you want. You have to worry about shopping for it. Next time you go in, they're like, oh, here's that guy who really knows their stuff and is into cool stuff. Well, the smaller places, especially <clears throat> calls being one, and and, and um, I, I think they like that one-on-one interaction with their customers, and especially the history of butchers and, and, and meat departments in general, They that, that was... you got things ordered for you it wasn't Mm -hmm. we carry everything and you just come in and buy it and leave it it was like you know on tuesday tommy i'm gonna need a corned beef four lamb chops i mean that Mm -hmm. you didn't very often you know back then my grandfather was a butcher so that's the only reason that's my my background but you got a lot more special orders or or just personal orders than just people walking in and Mm -hmm. just looking what's in the cold case right and i think there's a renaissance in that as far as butchers go yeah it's because it's hard to keep yeah. Every single cut in there because a lot of it could go bad. Absolutely. And you and you losing that that money. Um next question Aubrey Shade says what's the straight up and legit definition of a flight? Usually see it with beer, but recently I've seen it with a box of truffles. Is it exclusive ah. to one type of food? What's the deal? Could I get a flight of tacos? Well, flights, as I understand them traditionally, have started as wine. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the microbrew and the kind of the very fine brew market and, and, you know, that we're lucky to find ourselves in with beer has taken on that. But traditionally, w- flights are f- wine-specific. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had a bacon flight before. Mm. I mean, I, I think that anybody it's, – it's a – it's more of a casual version of a tasting menu to a certain extent, whether they want to do a chicken wing flight or a bacon <laughs> flight or anything from that. But yeah. Um, yeah, I guess there's like, like so many other words, they've sort of been adopted into something else, like how the word confit used to mean. You cut me off of the legs, baby. <laughs> I was going to say one of my pet peeves is people rever- referring to anything cooked in itself as confit, which is. Not yeah. necessarily really accurate, considering the history of duck confit goes so far back to medieval times to literally a preserving method specifically for duck because it's a fatty animal. Mm-hmm. You render it, it reduces enough fat to completely cover an entire duck for the most part, or huge amounts mm-hmm. of duck. And that fat also is airtight and seals. Mm-hmm. So that was a way of keeping meat inside completely free of any air or contact, like vacuum sealing. The which, original vacuum sealing. Which can actually be preserved in room temperature. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I guess somebody was like, have you tried this, this? I got this great tomato confit recipe. And I was like, so you just <laughs> cook tomatoes down? <laughs> uh, right. you, you, you take tomatoes and you drop it in a, a, a pot full of marinara sauce and cook and, them and down? Then, 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 you're, then you have it. So you have a tomato sauce. All right, that's tight. <laughs> so, so I'd say, yeah, technically a flight would start with wines where you're basically saying, like, I want to try all of the wines that you guys have to offer, or they'd obviously or do with featuring, beers. Or like, yeah, or they're featuring, and just like beer does, they're featuring a winery yeah. or a type of wine. So or, kind of like an omakase where they usually will have it also in an order that they yep. suggest you enjoying it in. So 
technically now I don't think you would call it, it I don't think it's technically a flight but it's, it, you could get a flight of tacos where it's, Absolutely. Where it's saying here yes. f- start with this scallop crudo raw taco then work your way up to this and this and have the pork and then you finally end on whatever well, okay. the gnarliest so one it's is like it, it, to an extent it's semantics right so your TJ Friday's lowbrow it's called a sampler Yes. <laughs> okay. So you're middle of the road, like, oh, this place is like a cool brew pub kind of situation. They give you a flight. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, they give you a, yeah, they give you a flight. So then if you go to the really fine dining, it's it's prefix or omakase if you're doing sushi. Yes. But all, it's, it's all the same. It's a sampler. Yeah, it's it's a sampler. It's a taquito guacamolito southwest egg roll sampler. <laughs> Of different styles. I think um, if you're calling it a flight and it's not beer or wine, you're you're not a you're not a, f- a complete dum dum. But I it would make me be a little uh, same mean, if, same with the confit word. So if it, for me, if, if if it's not wine, I would prefer something more like chicken wings four ways. Mm, four ways, you know, like That's tacos good. four ways. You know, something you know. Different styles. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with calling a flight a sampler. No sampler. There's no. There's no negative connotation to it. You, you're literally. You know. You go to a barbecue place. You get the sampler platter. Always. You don't get a. You don't get a flight. If a barbecue place has flights, get out of there. <laughs> that's, that's some false cue. You're, you're about to spend way too much yeah. money. And it's not going to be very good. <laughs> it's not going to be very. They're going to have a lot of branding. Their logo is going to look mm. super tight. The sauce is going to have a bunch of espresso in it and crap like that that you're not going to want to eat lots of oversized pictures of folks from the south in the (laughs) 50s everywhere that have never been associated or cooked anything in that restaurant Mm -hmm. um next question um hughes maxwell says what is the hottest fermented vegetable in 2016 (laughs) it's a tough one um (laughs) You know, well we're, played, so, Hugh we're still so early in the in the fermenting game, just being in days into February. Although it is a leap year, so that changes a lot. But I think you know, for for living in LA, ba- the restaurant Baru is really championing the whole fermenting and pickling and all that stuff. Um, and I think their um, their fermented pineapple kimchi is a real interesting one. So perhaps the fermentation of of pineapple could be uh could be a big trend for me. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, it's I don't know if I necessarily see that many new things. I mean, outside of Baru, which is an amazing restaurant and there's been some very controversial and interesting reviews written about it. Mm-hmm. Uh all f- all basically good, but some of them going as far as to compare there to Noma Mm -hmm. in the way that they're plating, doing food, doing tastes. Mm -hmm. Um, LA Weekly. Doing doing tastes. But, yeah, I I can't think of an out-of-the-box or hottest, most trendiest. I would say... um, I would say Korean food in general has never been more popular in Los Angeles mm -hmm. each year. But also, very popular still is kombucha. Which Absolutely. is which is a fermented beverage, yep. and when it when it first arrived, it was basically like you can get original, you can get ginger, you can get you know strawberry, the the basic flavors, 
and now there's like the third wave of kombucha where you can get tap kombucha at bars. Kombucha on tap, which is pretty cool. I mean, I'm I'm into like kombucha cocktails and beers. Like if you're gonna, it, it'll, make, fan of kombucha. it'll make you feel like you're, you know, getting drunk while doing Being something healthy. good for your body. But um, I think maybe just with the exploration of all the things that you can make kombuchas out of, like there's one, there's like Better Booch mm-hmm. that does like Pink Lady Apple one that's really good. And they, they're, they're doing, doing rose hips. Rose hips and pear that's and all really that stuff. And, and Baru does a couple. They do like an elderflower one that's fermented. They have a rose and passion fruit fermented, lemon, lemon verbena mm-hmm. fermented, all that stuff. So I could see that also maybe working into cocktails as well um, with different, like, juices and mixers, like fermented cherry juices, mm-hmm. you know, things like that to make weird kind of I was trying to remember, acidic bitters. Yeah, I was trying to remember if they had kombucha in any of the cocktails at, um, at Bill Campo in Santa Monica, which is, again, an excellent Pro- bar. I would doubt it. I would doubt it. Because I feel like a lot of traditional bar barkeeps might not be quite ready for that yet. I mean, yeah, they might frown upon it and me not being heavily in that scene. But I also mm. think it brings an element of sour and acid that is necessary in so many drinks. Going yeah. all the way back to it, just the simple whiskey sour. You sure. Know, scratch whiskey sour is basically just um, simple syrup and lemon for the most part, mm-hmm. along with your alcohol. So And whiskey. And whiskey. Um, um, but yeah, I, I think I, I don't frown upon or look at um, any kind of cocktails that have kombucha in it as a as a fad. As long as it tastes good, I mean, as long as it really mm-hmm. kind of seals the deal. But it makes a lot of sense to me to combine those things. And it's, it's fermented anything. I mean, it's like, yeah, I could go on for days about how much I love kimchi mm-hmm. and how much our house used to get wrecked with the smell of kimchi. But anything. Have you made kimchi recently? Turnips, cabbage. No, I haven't made it for like a year. Mm. And are you happy with how it turns out when you make it? Very. Absolutely. Actually, very, very happy. Nice. Yeah, I was sad. When when we lived together and you would make it all the time, I feel like I wasn't even like... my my. I didn't even know what was there in front of me. Well, what's cool about making it at home is that we can you control the spice level. Mm. Uh, I never made it with dried shrimp paste. Mm. Um, but you can control so much of the flavors that you like. I mean... There, I think everybody has their favorite kimchi in Koreatown mm-hmm. at a place that when they make it themselves. Uh, mine's My favorite is Western Doma Noodle. But you can really tell when kimchi's been sitting for in a jar for 30 days. And, I mean, some people might even argue that that's kind of a delicacy, the, the older the kimchi in some oh, ways. Oh, definitely. But obviously, like, when it's been sitting in a, in a bulk-manufactured plastic jar that's yeah. bought at H&K Market or something. I mean, mm-hmm. you know when it's like even out of the can it's not as good or out of the bottle and then if it sits there, it gets even worse. Like really cheap, all-you-can-eat barbecue cream places. Mm-hmm. You'll taste the bonchon and be like, ugh, god damn it. Like, <laughs> this is still better than nothing but it's right, obviously right. you guys didn't make any of this and it's a little old. It's like I can see bubbles of carbonation in the kimchi. That's <laughs> not necessarily what I personally am looking for when I'm eating right. kimchi. Um because then it's gone, the po- it's gone past the point of fermentation. It's gone straight into basically like... It's turning... It's eating itself. Yeah. It's turning into a they-live-style zombie creature. But the cool part, of, aside from just seasoning yourself when you make your own kimchi, is also getting to taste it, you know, over a couple of weeks and see how it changes and, like, your favorite parts. And, and you're also forced to use kimchi in everything, which makes you creative like you were mm. talking about earlier. 
Yeah. Lots of kimchi pancakes towards the end. We're just like, I have a jar of... Okay. Everybody's getting kimchi pancakes to start dinner yeah, tonight. I really love cooked kimchi, man. It yeah. mellows out the flavors a lot, and it makes it a lot more edible. If you don't necessarily love kimchi, which a lot of... You know, it's a pretty acquired taste for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. At first, I didn't... You know, it took me a long time to be like, well, why? what is the point of eating this? And now I enjoy it, and I get it, and it's meant to be eaten along other things to kind of well, also, contrast all of your I mean, flavors that you're eating. What's crazy, too, is kimchi pancakes are so delicious. They're exactly what they sound like, um, but they're so unbelievably easy to make. So when we had too much kimchi, it's literally flour, a little bit of baking salt, I mean baking soda, an egg, and water, and kimchi, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And you've, you turn that over like a, a pancake in a pan. It's fantastic. And you also make a little dipping sauce, maybe some rice wine vinegar, mirin, some chopped scallion, mm-hmm. a little sambal, toast sesame oil. And you literally have something that's really simple and people kind of might be impressed. Like, oh, that's, wow. Yeah. What is this? Yeah, that's kimchi not... Kimchi pancake. Yeah, it's not something that is... And it is the easiest thing in the world to do. Sprinkle a little sesame seed on top. Yeah, and for a non-Korean household, you're like, how in the world did you make this crazy mystical food? Um, the, our last question, the, uh, the same guy who asked about the fermented vegetables, Hughes Maxwell, unusual pate additives, which I guess is a little bit of a coincidence considering we just talked about mezcal, putting mezcal, mezcal in it, but can we, can we think of some other ones? What, what other, I mean, what pairs with liver? Well, other than onions. When you're fighting, basically the flavor that people don't like in liver is iron. Yeah. Right? So you're fighting anything. I mean, pate, country, country pate. I mean, they all contain a lot of butter, which is helping mellow all of that out. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would be? I mean, you could use a go-to slightly off the mark fish sauce instead of, you know, you lo- mm-hmm. lower the salt you're using, add a little fish sauce. It's going to add a little bit of moisture, but, you know, it's, or about a little bit of liquid, which you're ending Trying to cook off. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, these aren't wild things. You could add some truffles. Shave some truffles inside. Um, mm-hmm. You know, towards the end while you're you're bottling, so you're not actually cooking them that much. Just finishing. Yeah, maybe the idea, like you were saying before, of of confiting the duck, where the it sitting in a jar of its own fat is going to keep it airtight and preserved. Maybe people need to start when you get the little mason jar full of, of pate that you smear on your toast, maybe you need to start hiding some little, hiding some things inside of that jar. What's well, interesting about pate, Hershey's too, kiss. is that it's a, f- a little, just a little, those little Valentine's Day hearts with a little message in it. It's like, <laughs> be my Valentine right in the middle mm-hmm. of it. Just one small meatball. You could put an it's-it right in the middle of that pate. I freeze think it, it. It's-its are too big. Um, I think it's going to be too big. Just no, like, interesting... To think about is pate is very reliant on texture as well mm-hmm. as a food. Mm-hmm. I mean, most food is, but much more so on steroids. Pate is definitely a texture-based food. Once the and taste is and there. and equally with the flavor, the the enjoyment of it is based on how good of a texture you achieved on it. The mouthfeel, like when you're same as ice cream or panna cotta or yep. so many other things. That's where you. Uh, that's where you separate the boys from the men. So ideas of things like 
putting in pickled Meyer lemon rind or, um, you know, things that add brightness or acid. I mean, I think they work well. Um, I I think it changes the texture and changes the experience quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the, you know, that might even be more of a finishing than an actual ingredient inside Mm -hmm. the pate. But um, I think anything that, that is pickled pairs well with livers. Pickled pears. Pickled pears. Mm hmm. We, we will be serving on our pop-up some secret pickled ingredients that we're working on right now. Maybe. But I think the acid and I think the brightness of something to offset that pate is always, even if it's just an ingredient on the tap, mm-hmm. is something that kind of contrasts the flavor, contrasts the experience, and is a nice thing to have you know, to, to be able to add as you like. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, kimchi fits in that category i've never done it but i could imagine a really nice thin sliced pickled turnip a little bit of brightness on top that's not that's not a problem that could work combo i mean you could just take the the kimchi and blend it down and mix that in with everything i don't know how that would affect the the amount of moisture the amount of liquid in it but it might be horrible but you might be able to get it right or you might just do a little floater on top who knows but that, yeah. So we'll say that. Kimchi, even though it's a trendy ingredient, drop it in there. Get it popping. Maybe it'll be disgusting. Maybe it won't. Um, you be the judge. You be the judge. It's going to be bad. Um, we did We did have the Super Bowl party. We had, on a, Super we had Bowl. a great Super Bowl party. We got a lot of dishes popping. The onion dip is really, really delish. Onion dip the wings is, is always delish. fantastic. And we figured it out, finally, because I think last time we couldn't figure out all five of the onions in the onion dip. All five onions. Yeah, a couple listeners asked me on Twitter, and I gave them the recipe that I had. Yep. But it's red onion, yellow onion, green onion, shallot, and chives. Yep. Woo! And it takes forever to make. And we have to remind everyone not to scoop all the crispy shallot off the top of the dip to go straight down with your chip and not across. Yeah, that's the thing. And especially also with, with a five-layer dip or any kind of dip, if, you, if you're going to commit to the dip, you have to commit to all layers. You don't want to be the guy who's just you know, scraping all the cheese and sour cream off of it, and then when everyone shows up, you just got like, oh, wow, you smeared refried beans in the bottom of a bowl. Great job. What is it in... in um Sleepless in Seattle when Tom Hanks scoops off all the caviar that's basically like <laughs> the uh, the dressing on whatever thing is at the table and Meg Ryan goes after him. Great movie listeners. Sleepless in Seattle, classic rom-com. I'll check it out. <clears throat> but I think like there's like caviar around some cheese or something. He takes a spoon and just scoops all of the caviar around from the cheese or the brie and just puts it on his plate. Classic. Like, it's a garnish. And he's like, shut up, <laughs> Meg Ryan. Shut up, Meg No Ryan. one's going to like you in 15 years anyways. And they also have the famous scene in Katz's Deli there. Yes, they do. The last time I went to Katz's Deli, I sat at that table. And then everyone kept looking at me. They look at me and they look at the sign and they go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Just you and Dan. This is just a staring, seat. Staring face to face. Who's the bottom? Who's the bottom? <laughs> um, we made... Um, you made a really nice tiny play on, on five-layer um, bean dip, which had mm, kind of pickle. a beef and pickle, which it is was a great a, taco, a beef and pickle yeah, it taco. Was a, it was a six-layer Mexican dip. Six-layer, excuse me. Refried beans, 
than ground turkey cooked down with taco seasoning and onions and garlic and tapatio. So it's kind of like a healthier, lighter taco meat. And then pickle crema, which is basically a little Greek yogurt, a little sour cream or mayonnaise or whatever combination of all those you want. And then chopped up pickles and pickle juice. Yeah. Mix that all together and you have it's a, a super bright, kind of nice pickly tangy to cut through the, the, the fatty rich beans and meat. And then some tillamook, not tillamook. You got called out. Tillamook, it was, it was very delighted that we're trying to work with them, but they also are not delighted that we don't know how to say the word tillamook. We should get, we should figure it Well, we figured it out, but yes. So we got an email, I got an email from them saying yep. it's called tillamook, so that's cool. Aged four-year aged Tillamook cheddar. Got that good bite to it. Why Why have cheddar if you're not going to get the sharpest of cheddars is what I say. I don't understand What's it. What's the point? It's like, I want this, but I don't really want it to taste that great. I want something that's not necessarily the healthiest thing in the world for me, but to not mm-hmm. have it taste that good and be kind of bland. It's going to have the same... I don't. It's not going to like change the nutritional value. It's not going to no. be less fat and there or is less protein. Calories. There is protein in cheese, people. But yeah, why would I mean? It's like just to get a really kind of mild, bland tasting. Yeah, it's, it's not like milk where it's like not two percent or fat free or low fat or whole milk. But you should be eating or drinking the whole milk the whole time. That's a good habit to get into. If, in my opinion, yeah, when you're, you're buying the yogurt, just get the regular yogurt. No, sour cream. No zero whole milk sour. Cream. No zero fat. It's, it's just a bunch of crap. It's it's. The reason why it's fat-free is because they did a bunch of wrong things to it. Yeah. And your body will be able to process the whole the whole fat stuff the way it was originally made. The less the government fucks around with your food, the better, I say. This is also being live broadcast Anarchy. from an animal sanctuary. <laughs> Brought to you by PETA. Um, I think... What, what else is really good? The wings came out good? <laughs> the wings were good. Not to be... It's tough to beat the uh, the Ralph's fried chicken, though. I didn't have any. Somebody brought some. I was just talking to a friend about Ralph's fried chicken a couple days ago. Like, it's it's an institution. There's a whole underground subgenre of people who love and regularly eat Ralph's supermarket fried chicken. Yeah, it's like a thing that people do. I mean, it's cheap. It's good. You know, it's like. I have to, seen them cook or something. it. I have seen them cook it. Really? And it's not in fryers. It's like in a giant industrial, like huge fifty-gallon drum that they cook a lot at, at it's once. Like the big ass pressure pressure fryer. Yeah, mm-hmm. but massive. Um, and that's how it's done, man. That might speak to kind of a quality, you know, in a way that they're using, you know. Maybe we should do a stew supermarket fried chicken taste test. Oh man. Get the Ralphs, get the Albertsons, get the Vons, get the Gelsons, get the Whole Whole Foods has it too. Yep. Who's going to be the best? I say Ralphs. But it is really good. It's kind of like when you think of the fried chicken that you want as a kid, just like super salty, super crunchy, super flavorful, not precious at all, just like KFC Slightly greasy, not horribly. I mean, I've had worse fried chicken for sure in the universe, so... Mm-hmm. I think we should do it. We uh, we also went to Rice Bar in downtown LA. It's a lot. It's a Filipino place. It's super tiny. A lot of people talk about it. 
And uh, we had, I mean, it's tough, man. <laughs> they we got the samplers. The, the the little sliders were excellent. Sliders were fantastic. There was a. Um, do you know the name of the sausage? Uh, it's Mangalisa. It's or, a, is that what it's called? It's a Filipino handmade sausage that they make there. Mm-hmm. A little spicy, red, good. Spicy right. red. Oh no, sorry, longanisa. I was thinking mangalisa pigs. Right. Um, but yeah, longanisa. It's just like a big stubby red sausage. It was delicious, and they made it in house. That was delicious, and then it they had another spam and egg slider. Spam and egg slider, and the the spam was cooked really well on the flat top, really crispy, mm. delicious. <clears throat> on on Filipino sweet rolls, which are called pan pandesal. Yep. Um, and that's where it stops. And that's where it stops. We got, uh, I got, I got some Filipino noodles, pan, pancit noodles that were, I mean, it's, Filipino food is tough, man. Like, I, Filipino food is having a big movement right now. Young people are making it and it's coming out delicious and they're using crazy ingredients and they're using new methods and making Filipino inspired dishes. Mm-hmm. In an awesome way, but then, like, people also need to remember the traditional, regular Filipino restaurants, for the most part, are pretty gnarly, especially to anyone who's not Filipino. It's, it's like, it's a gnarly thing. I mean, I, I ate a bowl full of kind of really thick rice noodles that were just kind of bizarre and flavorless. Yeah, the Jollibee gravy. And just covered, covered in this kind of light gray gravy and then covered with dried shrimp slivers and it was just so gross one of the grossest things i've eaten all year <laughs> you didn't even let me try it we ordered it together but then i brought it home and gave it to my a bite to my girlfriend who is filipino and she's like yeah i mean this is pretty much how this one's supposed to taste right because they there's they have the the panset palabok which is one i've cooked before which was a lot better a lot more enjoyable for me it's like more way more flavorful way there's no creepy gravy in it there's lots of exciting things going on but and we but had, you had a you had a dish that i enjoyed though i thought it was good i mean the dish i had was oh, braised it was garlic or, fried rice yeah it's called it was um, garlic rice it's called it wasn't fried tagalog which yep. is braised angus beef yep with onion and calamansi which is like uh small filipino citrus fruit like a kumquat i, I thought it was good it was I, it was good and fine and it was, it was like one something i would never necessarily think to order again if you're filipino it's it's a very comforting dish to them right it's like they're you know and the braising liquid i mean it definitely felt braised and not something um it seemed very light almost like it was braised in a broth or a water and not something that was like reduced it kind of tasted like a good version of a not a great, but a good version of kind of a boiled meat more than a braise. It was tender, but not, you know, not braised it wasn't, tender. It wasn't a luscious, crazy... I mean, it was good. I, I, that one, there's not a lot of complaints, but there's not... I'm not going to probably go there to get it again. True. True that. Um, I think there were some things we didn't try that a lot of people ordering were some of the chicken dishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, not to not Chicken tin- tinola, which I have made before. And the sliders were great, so there's, mm-hmm. we we got some misses, or we got some very accurate dishes that weren't for us or for for my palate. Yeah, we learned a lesson. Filipino food still not for everyone, even though it is but we very had, hot right now. We had Alvin from Eggslut on. 
We did. And he, just in the same thing that you're saying, just to remind people that he just opened Amboy in Chinatown, which is fantastic. That's where we should have gone. Had, had a long discussion, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, about kind of the roots of Filipino food, uh, not to come from our round-eye white mouths, but even he was saying some of the ingredients, traditional sourcing for Filipino food is not something that he really wants to make, but he wants to make Filipino food. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it now. He's doing it in great in, in great strides. I think some of the things that we did try that day at Rice Bar kind of missed the mark a little, though, for me. Also, the restaurant is so tiny. <clears throat> yeah. So tiny. But, hey, good luck to you guys. I did um, last night eat Steak and Shake in Santa Monica. Mm. Are you familiar with Steak and Shake? No, not at all. It's kind of... Like most things in Santa Monica, unfortunately. Well, it's not from Santa Monica. It's a chain restaurant, um, a Midwestern and Southern chain restaurant. Um, an old classic really? one. It's like the in and out of... Of the Midwest and the South, kind of. This is something that I should have seen in my many Southern travels. I'm surprised. Yeah, it's, right. I don't think it's super, super popular, but I mean, it's not like a giant. It's not like a Carl's Jr. So it is or a McDonald's. real steak and shake, like you would get. It's a real else. steak and shake. Is the first one. It was like it was on like the food news, maybe like a year or so ago. Like the first one is opening up in LA, but it's really, it's kind of yeah, it's just like a regular fast food place, but. It's really cheap. They have this burger that I ate, which is called the Frisco Burger, which is basically their version of a sourdough jack. And it was like $5, and it comes with fries. Wow. All the burgers come with fries already. So this is a a hamburger restaurant. It's a a burger and fries and and milkshake spot. Got it. But it's kind of nicer. Like there's, I'm showing you a picture of it. It's kind of like Shake Shack style. It's, It's like a shittier Shake Shack. Looks very nice. But uh, I had the sourdough jack. That was delicious. But I felt horrible after I ate there. But it's also fast food, so it's going to feel bad. Where was it in Santa Monica? Right on 3rd Street Promenade. That makes sense. And then, but I would would say um, go there and get that sourdough jack if you're feeling good and you earned a cheat meal. If you're feeling good, but you want to be bad. If you want want to be bad. And they have different fry flavors like salt and vinegar fries, which I had. It's like the old shaker fries from Wienerschnitzel that we like to talk about right. on the podcast. Do they have a ranch fry? I think they did. All right, they and they should. have like a barbecue zesty one yeah, yeah. and all, yeah. all that stuff. But it's tight. Um, and my friend, speaking of food that's for dogs, mm. a friend of mine, Jane, <laughs> has two Pomeranians. So all that sourdough jacks for dogs, by the way. He didn't <laughs> say you should eat it. He said dogs I, should eat it. I was at her her house yesterday because we went to the jordan's party and she was feeding her dogs this is for all people who are listening with dogs and her dog's diet is the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life where it was who do you know who her vet is same vet that i go to okay dave tenser studio city okay veterinary medical center i've in my days i've seen some wild dog diets just saying so i don't think this diet has with anything it. to do with her vet okay mm. Well, another friend, Cozy Kitchen, who's been on the show before, yep. her dog eats like eggs and chicken mm-hmm. like every day yep. and something else crazy. I forgot what it was. But this, this dog gets dog food mm-hmm. covered in coconut oil, blueberries, and carrots. 
I believe it. Soft food, though, huh? Soft food, a lot of coconut oil. I wonder if she brushes the dog's teeth. Because if you only feed a dog Maybe. soft food, it, it's hard on the teeth because it stays in there on like dry food, which is actually better for a dog's teeth. Hmm. So that's a lot of like tooth maintenance going on in there. But I, the, mm-hmm. wild, the wildest thing I heard, a friend of mine, dog had a lot of allergies, ordered kangaroo meat. Whoa. Which apparently is the most neutral meat somehow for allergens and you would think that just no all way. meat is semi-allergen free but semi-popular a bit of roux yep a bit of roux mate. Not, not cheap to get that roux meat sent over probably no and he, and he had to order it in bulk and it instantly did not agree with his dog so he he had to like toss all of it basically. i'm sitting on 70 pounds of roux he tried meat to cook a little ate. bit of it and it, he said it tasted absolutely horrible because it was human grade it's like something if you served kangaroo meat in a restaurant you would order this kangaroo meat sure sure so he you know he wasn't it's probably, crazy to it's try probably hard make to find non human grade exactly meat. you um, dog grade kangaroo <laughs> i know dogs that eat you know raw you know raw meat patties with different you know oils or glyco oils i mean there's so much out there that you can do especially you know and there's dogs that need a little more attention Mm -hmm. sometimes there's overkill and sometimes there's necessity speaking of oils i've been consuming a lot of hemp oil Mm -hmm. what do you know about it as far as cooking no just putting a shot of it in my smoothie every day I mean, it's rich in um, everything. It's rich in everything. It's good for everything, apparently. But it's rich in fatty acids, and it's really rich in omega-3s, right? And omega-6, I believe. Okay. The rare omega-6. Heads don't got these. Much like a rare Jordan. Try and find this omega-6. The white buffalo of omegas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it tastes delicious, actually. Okay. It's pretty dang good. It has a taste. It has a taste. Well, you, you can try some right now. You want some? Let's do it. All right, hold hold that phone. All right, listeners, enter in to Amazon the Stew Podcast for ten percent off your first hemp oil purchase. I would cold pressed hemp oil coming out the bottle. Let's see. What's do you know the smoke temperature? If you're going to cook in it, cook with it, or do you not cook with it? I don't know. I'll look it up. Well, it's very grassy. Yeah. It's nice. The hemp oil is a little grassy. It is. It's very earthy, very grassy. I I enjoy it. Smoke point for... um, Oh, let's see here. Hmm. I like it. Are you going back for seconds and thirds? Well, when I put the spoon down, it's about to spill, so now I have to finish it. I would say I would definitely use this in a salad dressing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... It's definitely not a neutral oil flavor-wise, that's for sure. It is not. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's... I'm trying it's to look nice it up. Nice texture. It's enjoyable, man. Oh, hemp seed oil. One, it's... Uh, smoke point is 330 degrees. Oof. So that's pretty low. But so it's you a, basically it, will never cook with it. But it's it's higher than olive oil. Is it? Okay, then I'm wrong then. Extra Good. virgin olive oil, 320. Okay. Safflower oil, 320. Soy oil, 320. Walnut oil, 320. Hemp seed oil, 330. Butter, oh, 350. But I'm totally wrong. So, and and where's... Um, scroll down if you see bran oil. 
Is that the high, one of the highest? That's what most Chinese food restaurants use or wok-specific restaurants use. I think it has the highest smoke point for oil. Um. Rancid oil. I, that's what I use when I'm cooking high temperature. Especially searing. Brand's not on here. But the, the highest one other than brand is avocado oil. Mm-hmm. Avocado oil, 520 degrees. Oh, brand, rice bran oil, 490. Yeah. So when you're, especially when you're searing and you're going to keep that oil at a high temperature for a long time, mm-hmm. um, you'll be amazed. Like if you try and brown with olive oil, it turns mm. dark. You can see the color of it change. If yeah. you're browning multiple batches, such as the Super Bowl party when we were doing oxtail, mm-hmm. um, you can brown it in four or five batches of that and keep it at medium-high heat, and you will not see the color change in the oil. I mean, you'll have brown bits, which are good things. Mm-hmm. Um, the maybe pieces burning that you'll kind of strain and take off before you put that back in the braising yeah. liquid. But for the most part, that oil will not darken for 45 minutes, a no half way. an hour while you're browning with it. It's great. Highly recommended, cheap. Um, it's got a slightly nutty flavor, but for the most part, it's totally neutral. Yeah, I think that's one thing a lot of people should get in the habit of is not just having extra virgin olive oil in their kitchen as the only oil because you try to sear something with it and there you are, just see, you, you can just see yeah. the oil break and just kind of like you just see it darken die. before you're even ready to actually braise mm. with it. Or not braise, I'm sorry, brown with it. Yeah. And it just it just look it turns a weird color like you you it know when it, you know when it's gone gone wrong, and a lot of people will, will just be like, eh, it's hot, I don't know what to do. But you know, keep keep that for most things. But if you're doing some high heat searing, yeah, I recommend just get multiple some, oils in your house at all times. I also am not against like a a nice decent olive oil spray when you're doing like an egg mm-hmm. you know if you don't want to use butter or if you're trying to you know keep some fat content out i there are not they're not all pam there are some decent sprays out yeah. there that are nice to cook with for certain things and i've wanted to get one of those little mister guys yeah well i was talking before about the popcorn spraying with the butter get a little get a little mister for the dressing one day i'll get that guys um all right Best thing we ate all week. Portion is finally here. Best thing we ate all week. Best thing we ate all week. I'm going to go with something that I made. Um, went down, went down to visit the fam in Orange County a few days ago, and I made a big ass vegetarian lasagna. It's a very classic. I'm listening. Very classic, simple lasagna. It's it's not it's not very artisanal. It's made with all ingredients that you can buy at Trader Joe's. It's very quick and easy to put together. It's definitely not going to be the best lasagna lasagna that you can make in terms of buying San Marzano tomatoes and making your own sauce for hours and then getting like a really good mozzarella cheese that you're hand grating and getting Parmigiano Reggiano that you're hand grating and and going to the Italian market to get the real good ricotta, ricotta and all that stuff. But if you if you want a meal that's you know it's not very healthy but it's f- packed full of vegetables and it's easy to make and it's very satisfying you can keep it in your fridge all week long and it gets better with time if it sits in the fridge cold you can cut you can cut a little steak off of it and sear it in a pan for breakfast put an egg on there woo um, but you basically just get f- three jars of tomato basil sauce 
Maybe the best store-bought sauce you can get for the money. It's a great store-bought sauce. Don't get in the habit of buying store-bought sauces because it's full of sodium and sugar, but it tastes great and it works well. So if you don't care about that stuff or you're in a pinch, this is this is lasagna for you. And it, and it can feed 10, 15 people probably. you got to get the big full-size lasagna pan. Small ISIS sleeper cell can eat this lasagna for like a week. 100%. Easy. You get three jars of... Of tomato sauce, you get a big pot, and I, I cook everything down in the same pot. So, first thing I will cook down, cook down some on, like half an onion, cook that down with some olive oil, salt, pepper, a little chili flake, and then two pounds of spinach leaves. Cook yep. all that down until a lot of the moisture is out. Uh, scoop it onto some towels, paper towels or a towel, and let it just sit there and all the moisture dry out. You can put another paper towel on top of it and give it a little squish. Get all the moisture out, and then I'll cook down a bunch of mushrooms. Don't get the pre-sliced because they're, they'll, they'll be shittier than the whole ones. The whole ones will have less oxidization on it, and it'll, it'll taste better and more fresh. But do the same thing. Cook down some onions with some mushrooms and all that stuff. Boom, boom, boom. And then you can get some eggplant that you can put in there, whatever, whatever veggies you want to do, some zucchini. Just make sure... That you cook out all the moisture and liquid before you do it, whether that's roasting it in a pan in the oven for 20 minutes, thinly, or, thinly sliced, or or just salting it and letting it sit for. If you have the time, if yeah. you're ever using eggplant or zucchini for most dishes, you want to slice it kind of thin or yeah. as thin as you can, as far as the texture you want for the dish. You want to salt it, leave it sit, and you'll be amazed at how much moisture is brought to the surface. And then wipe that clean because. <laughs> You don't want to wash it because you're just going to reconstitute it a little bit. That's the thing that I never – I don't like doing that because okay. they say to wash it off afterwards. But then you just, you're just putting water back on it, but they say it, it – It's not going to soak water back up like a sponge. But if you're kind of eyeballing the amount of salt that's going on there and you're wiping it off and wiping it clean because, you know, the moisture is coming to the surface because of the salt is drawing mm-hmm. it out. And the salt is also melting with the moisture as it's coming. So you can wipe it off fairly clean. It's going to be a salty vegetable, mm-hmm. but not too salty if you're not taking into con- yeah. context that you pre-salted it. I, I say for but, me, for a lasagna, if you're going to spend a half an hour salting it out on a on your countertop and you're going to use all that salt and everything and spend the time, I'd rather just roast it and you get some better yeah. flavor for it. For sure. Um, and then that... Um, after you cook the mushrooms, this is all in the same one pot. So you, you got your spinach, you cook it, you pull it off. You got your mushrooms, you cook them down, you put them in a bowl, you let those chill. And then the other half of your, your onion and some chopped garlic, put that in with right after the mushrooms. And there's going to be a bunch of kind of mushroom fond on the pan, some liquid left over from the mushrooms, some good mushroom umami flavor. Onions go in there, and then you just scrape the pan with all the onions, deglaze all that mushroom flavor, and then you pour in your three jars of of the tomato basil marinara and cook that for like, you know, an hour up to three, four hours if you have the time, and it's just going to soak up some good flavor. It's going to reduce more, cook out some of the water. It's going to be thicker and more. I think it's it makes for a better lasagna. The, the, the least amount of water in there, the better for me. And so you're using dried noodles? I'm using dried Trader Joe's no-boil noodles. Right. So you're soaking them in water before you use them? No, I don't even do that. Okay. I do layer of... Spoon, and, yeah, and describe the layering. Spoon a layer of marinara, and then 
put down the noodles. And I like to do the noodles one each layer. They're laid a different direction. So like lay them yep. horizontal one layer, the next layer do them vertical, and you'll have to break off pieces of it to fill it in. It'll all end up working out fine. Um, after the the sauce or after the spinach is pulled, put that in a bowl with uh, with one tub of of ricotta, and mix the spinach and the ricotta together. And so the nice. spinach, spinach and ricotta is one layer, mushrooms is one layer, eggplant is one layer, and then each layer gets a little bit of the Trader Joe's Quattro Formaggio cheese blend. Bang. Which I'd never recommend getting pre-shredded cheese in a bag because they have to add a bunch of chemicals and weird stuff to keep it from clumping. But we're also talking about a friendly family meal. Yes. So. But if you are okay with doing all of that and you don't have the time and you want a quick thing, whatever. Um, it's fine. Or if you're serving it to people who don't care, that's also fine. Yeah. So each layer gets some veggie and some cheese, veggie cheese. And then once you get to the very top, that top layer is all cheese. And then 375 oven, 45 minutes with the foil on. And then take the foil off, rotate the pan, and then do 15 minutes at like 400 mm-hmm. just to brown the top. And then if you need to, put the, boil, the broiler on just to get it a full, full burn on the top so it gets a nice, all the cheese gets bubbly and golden brown. So it takes an hour to cook. Pull it out, and much like a steak, the lasagna needs to rest before you eat it 100%. So... Yeah, and know, know your oven temperature and what you're using because Pyrex and ceramic can potentially crack under a broiler for too long. Mm. So also kind of make sure that it's not basically the closest shelf mm. on the oven to the top of the broiler, maybe a little bit lower. Okay. But there, yeah. Pyrex will crack. It's happened to me under a broiler Damn. and ceramics. Rest in peace, Lake Crusade. I've had a, I've had a Pyrex dish crack on me that I pulled from the oven and then put in the sink. Oh yeah, and then the cold water just yep. Psh, yep. And then you're fishing broken glass out of your garbage disposal. <laughs> I mean, it's that's one of the worst things that could ever happen in the kitchen is broken glass in the garbage disposal, and then you can you can only pull out so much, and then you get to a point where you just got to say you bled fuck out it. Two gallons and yeah yeah yeah, and you just got to say. Two screw liters. it and you just run the water and blast that disposal and put cover your ears oh. and just hear the sound of glass being pulverized in your sink <laughs> down the drain. <laughs> but uh pull it out, tent it with the foil you had on it, let it sit on the on the on the counter for fifteen fifteen minutes, you know, let it let it all kind of thicken up and everything. And then boom, just slice it out with a big old spatula and you can pour more sauce on it if you want, if you like a sauce sauce on top. But it's yeah. a very enjoyable, great one. Pro tip, too, if you get glass in that garbage disposal, just get that Converge record out the oven to listen to in a while. Mm. Get that real loud. Mm-hmm. You may not even notice it. Mm. It might even help. What was the other one people said to like put a stick of potato down there and it'll it'll grab the glass pieces? Oh. I've never even... I mean, that sounds like a brilliant idea. Good tip, huh? From my Much dis- better than my Converge records. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> so. disposal heads out I there. Think absolutely. All right, so yeah, Stewart family veggie <laughs> lasagna. So that was the long version of Best Thing I Ate. It was. Because mine is going to be really short. Okay, good. And it's, it's just, I had for the first time the veggie burger at Burger Lords downtown. Not just because Stu Stewart mm-hmm. is, is uh, a man... 
on the plancha there. Mm-hmm. But it is a fantastic, fantastic veggie burger. Mm. Um, and my favorite veggie burger in L.A. for a long time and undefeated for the most part has been the Big Macro. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that... Big Macro at M Cafe. At M Cafe. That's right. Um, but to do an In-N-Out style veggie burger that good, which is very much the, mm-hmm. the spirit of Burger Lords, uh, a Southern California fast burger, which mm-hmm. they do fantastically, uh, equally as good. And I've heard the stories of people traveling long and far to get this thing. Mm-hmm. As vegetarians and vegans do, it's a vegan burger, mm-hmm. not a vegetarian patty, but a vegan patty, uh, and they have vegan cheese there, which I had mm-hmm. on it, and it, it's excellent. And if I was still vegan from back in the day, uh, this would have been something I would travel for an hour and a half on a Friday night with friends yeah. to go eat. Definitely it's a burger. Excellent. Like if you're a vegan, you will go there, you'll order one, and you can't just have one. And they also have separate fryers for vegan fries, mm-hmm. so you, you they're really. Uh, the founders there are vegan. They've taken that very seriously, mm-hmm. and um, it's excellent. It's excellent. And they said, uh, Kevin at Burger Lord said a pro tip. If you want to live on the wild side, you can right. order the patty deep fried. Yep. And Secret it, menu. And that it, it makes it taste more like a uh, falafel, apparently. Yep. I haven't tried it yet. No, I tried the regular one on the flat top, and I, I, I will get it again. It's excellent. Sweet. Yeah, man. Enjoy the burger without the uh, getting the beef sweats. Without the guilt. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. Full steam. We won't be sick anymore. We won't have a nasally uh, Benadryl drip. and yeah, Benadryl free podcast. Overall tone. My brother will be here. We might have a guest. Who knows? We might be too busy doing our pop-up to even do an episode. Who needs them? But um, thank you again. And like I said before, stay tuned on my social media to find out more about the pop-up and make a reservation. I'm sure they'll go quick. Not to toot our own horn, but it's a it's a small small seating, limited amount of tables, which is why I think if you want to uh, if you want to get a spot, um, get it with the quickness before it sells out. And you can go to thestewpodcast.com for all of our episodes. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and give us a nice rating and review. If you want to tell a friend who is into food pods, um, please do. I got people that come up to me all the time now whenever I'm DJing and out in the town with whatever. People will come up to me and say they love love the stew, and I appreciate that. All you guys, looking forward to that day and gals for myself. That's going to be exciting when that. Well, you got to leave the house. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and all a lot of people are, are fans of fans of my girlfriend. That's right. As a DJ, so I'll go to one of her gigs where she's playing, and then I'll get like the three random people every night. Will come up to me like, "Hey, dude, big fan of the stew." Always catches me off guard. Shout out, listeners. Thank you. So, very awesome. And shout outs to all of our moms who are listening, too. Jill, we love you. Karen, in the building. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.